You are listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. All is fair in love Love's a crazy game Two people vow to stay uh, Love is one they say Oh, they say All has changed with time The future none can see The road to leave behind Headlines mystery Write the words again All in love is fair All the fates have changed It's either good or bad I've tossed my coins to say With me you'll stay I believe that you'll stay But all in one So cold You either win or lose When all is put away The losing side I play And all is fair in love I should have never left your side Write or take some pain Write the words again And all in love is fair Write or take some pain Write the words again And all in love is Yeah, that was All is Fair in Love by Deron Jones And actually that was a, a cover, a Stevie Wonder cover, I believe Yeah, so... Make sure, and that's the same Deron Jones from 112, so make sure you check him out online. Today on the 9010 Rule. Marketing is very needed, especially in this day and time now where artists are not being properly developed. And I think that the issue is with these record labels is that the marketing department, when I first came into the business working for Kelly Price, it was a, a staff of 20 people. Now it may be a staff of three people in a room the size of a studio apartment at the label. You know what I'm saying? Having to deal with all of these major stars because... People have not, people have lessened the importance of marketing. Marketing is very important. Social media is just uh, um, the next frontier where you can push it to, but you still need artist development. You still need to brand artists. You still need to properly introduce artists. And that's something that I'm really, really big on is appearance and, and, and showing the artists that you can't just come out looking any kind of way. People are always watching, whether you're known or not. If you sit in a room, you have to make a person give you time to even want to talk to them. If, if, if an artist comes to me and I don't know them, and I'm in the airport or I'm at an event, it's like and 50 million people may want to have a conversation with me. It's like you have to look like somebody that somebody should give you time to talk for. That's marketing. And I think that's the missing ingredients now because people do feel like I can just add this person, send them my link. And that's why a lot of people are not being 
very successful with it that way because you can't take away the core of what marketing really is. So with me, I do both. I make sure that any artist or brand that I deal with, we do core marketing. We go in, I rebrand them, I repackage them. Sometimes I have to create a brand that is there but it's just not being present to that artist yet. And then once I get the marketing aspect of it down, then we go to the social media online campaigns to just finish it off and take it to the next level. So it's, it's, it's very much needed. I wish more artists and executives realized that, the importance of marketing. Um, I have this argument almost every day, <laughs> on, 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 on every day. Like I'm very passionate when it comes to that, but yeah, it's definitely uh, two worlds that needs to meet. Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com. Yo, 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 what up? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kevin Davis, and as always, I got uh, B. Jennings with me. What up, man? What's going on? And today in the studio, we got, uh, I mean, this guy right here, the friend. You know how you get in the music industry and you feel like you got cool friends? You know, the ones that, like, know everybody and you can and actually really talk to and have a conversation with? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this, this guy is one of those guys, man. Hard to go, one of the most awesome people I know. Uh, music executive, dreamer extraordinaire, Charles McCree. What up? What's going on, Kev, man? How y'all doing? Very well, sir. Very well indeed. So, yo, just to um, just to get the people a little bit of an understanding, like, where you come from. Well, I, I guess talk to us a little bit about how you got started in the music industry. Okay, cool. Well, um, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I definitely appreciate that. Indeed, uh, indeed. Um, <clears throat> I got started in the music business. I always tell people, man, like just by being persistent. So 14 years ago, um, I was that kid that was sitting in the lobby of E103 for nine months, um, begging for an unpaid internship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I wanted to intern with the morning show. And it's crazy because I, I thought that, you know, you tell people I want to work for free and they would just hire you. Well, it wasn't that easy. So I would have to go down there every Wednesday for nine months and sit in the lobby, wait for the morning show to get off the air. I'm the kid that was out there with my internship package, like, hey, you know, I just want to intern with the morning show. I want to work for free. It took me nine months to get it, but from there, everything just happened from there. So yeah, I always tell people my first job was an intern at V103. Wow, yeah. wow. And, and you know what? I, I think a lot of people, um, there. well, everyone wants to know how to get in, mm. the, in the music industry, but it... Well, at least from my experience, it seems like few people really want to intern. I mean, they they feel like the the thought of getting of doing all that work for God knows how long for has nothing to do with popping bottles, right? Right, right. There's no glamour in that, man. Mm-hmm. And it took you nine months just to get it. Just to so, get in. how long were you? How long were you there? Um, I interned at V103 for nine months. Uh, nine months. The internship was actually supposed to be only four months, and um, they asked me to stay, and I stayed for another five months. And then uh, Kelly Price, uh, she used to come to the radio station all the time, and I used to just be back there working. Like you know, back then we were working off of eight tracks in the station, so I would be back there stacking, stacking the tracks, getting ready for the commercial. And for a long time, she thought that I was actually the producer of the morning show. She didn't realize that I was an unpaid internship, and she was having an event. And I went to her one day. She came to the station. I said, listen, if you're looking for an extra set of hands, I'll work for free. You know, just I want to help. She said, but she said, so do you work here or are you? I said, no, I'm an intern. She said, so every time I've come to the radio station, you've, you've been an unpaid intern all this time? Next thing I know, um, her and her manager, Jeffrey Rowe, came to me, offered me a position, and that was my first paid job in the music industry. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So shout out to Jeffrey Rowe and Kelly Price for giving me my first paid job in the music business. And that's dope. Yeah, man. That's dope. So from your from your internship, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you you worked a lot of hours. You met a lot of people. Um, I don't know. What are some of the things that you feel like you learned or, or during that experience? The key thing that I tell people that I've learned is that I came in saying I'm going to work harder than everybody else, but working hard is not enough. And um, one of the things that my internship taught me was it's about being persistent. It's about being consistently persistent, um, setting a tone for yourself of understanding that you have to know the end goal of what it is that you want. Like I came in knowing I want to be a, a record label executive. I want to know how radio works, how this works. So I came in with a plan. I came in with a goal. And um, I wasn't consumed with being in the club or just hanging around the celebrities. I just wanted to work. So I was the kid that you would see marping the floor, cleaning the bathrooms, emptying out the trash. I always wanted to be caught in the act of 
what nobody else wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? I was always willing to do what, what other people were not willing to do. And I think that's the thing that is the reason why I can still go back to V103 now and I still have my relationships. And uh, I still have that respect from people that watch me come up because they understood that it was all about work. So I tell people all the time, man, like interning is it. I tell any, if you get an opportunity to intern on any level, you want to do that because it's no better way to learn. You it's, School can't teach you the, the lessons that I've learned, uh, no textbooks, nothing can't teach you that but the real life experiences. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Man, that's dope. Um, so I guess what would, like, was there, when you started at, at V103, was mm-hmm. there a... Was there a group of interns and you kind of all, and, and did you all last or um, what was that? It's crazy. I tell this story all the time. When I started, it was two other interns and, um, you know, I made it hard for them. Like we didn't have to get there to 530 in the morning. I would get there. I started getting there at four and then one of them started getting there at four. So I started getting there at 230 in the morning and I would work. <laughs> um, her name is Malika Millett. She, w- she used to come on before. Uh, the morning show would come on. So I used to work with her. She taught me how to run the boards. So by the time the morning show came, I was able to actually run the boards and nobody knew how I knew how to do that. So yeah, it's just like, I, I made it hard for them. You know what I'm saying? And before I knew it, when the four months was up, I was asked to stay. I mean, I was asked, you know, if I wanted to stay and the other two was told, thank you for your time. And we know, we wish you good luck on your endeavors. And the rest is history. What's crazy about what you just said was you didn't you said we didn't have to be there till five thirty. Right. And I'm thinking we didn't have to be there till five thirty. <laughs> and you got even there earlier. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Just goes to show the work ethic that's necessary though. Because you gotta want it. And I think that a lot of times what happens is that people people don't want to work in the business. They wanna go to the clubs and they wanna know celebrities, and that's two totally different things. I always wanted it. So whatever came along with it, like me getting up at five, it, it was nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like I was a RA at the time in college. So I would have to be patrolling uh, the students that wanted to do what they wanted to do to one, two in the morning. And I would hop in the cab and get to be 103 at four in the morning. But when I look back on it now, it's like, wow, you got up that early. But back then, it was just like second nature to me because I wanted it so bad. Your experience at the radio station, mm-hmm. because that's that's a far cry from what you do now, mm-hmm. right? Because you're as an artist manager and a music executive and a marketing executive. Like, how how did your skills... Um, build from your experience as an intern? I think uh, one of the number one things was I got a chance to understand how radio works. So with dealing with artists, you have to know, like a lot of times you deal with artists and they want to put out the music that they want to put out. And I learned through Tasha Love, who was the music director at the time, she would allow me to sit in on music day. And that's when all of the record label executives that I you know, now work with is crazy, but they would come and bring artist music in. And so a song that you think is a hit because you like to listen to it, it's not always radio format friendly. So I learned a lot of those different things. And and the key thing, too, is I made a lot of lasting relationships because everybody comes through the station. um, You learn how to network. You learn how to pick up on personalities. So I I walked away with with a lot of personal interpersonal skills as well from um, interning at the radio station. So that's all lessons that I utilize today. You know, outside of my relationships, I utilize just when dealing with the radio, it's a different type of beast, which the formula is all the way different now because of social media. But um, up until about three years ago, radio, my time there really taught me how to deal with the artists and the music. Wow. Now, when when I when actually when when you and I first met, mm-hmm. um, you were doing your, your charity, mm-hmm. Walk a Mile in My Shoes, Definitely, right? Yep. And I, th- I think that's one of the things that's Im- impressive to me about you as well because, um, like, I know people who interned and, you know, kind of did the grunt work and have, have those stories, but very few people do I know that really grew by giving back. Right. And, and, and I think that that's a, that's a huge piece of who you are and kind of how you got to to where you are. Um, so I don't know if you would, wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that. No, definitely. Um, I was just selling um, Rochelle, uh, Rochelle High 16 that's actually in the studio with me right now. I was just telling her that that's how I met you. Um, it was, and, and just to tell the story, uh, my very first shoe drive, I had this idea to start a shoe drive. 
And um, I had never done anything like this before. So I just knew that I had the idea. I was going through some things. I started it back in 08. And um, again, when you're chasing this dream, you find yourself in some in some very uncomfortable situations. So as I'm doing all of these incredible things that people see me doing, like at this time I had already worked for Kelly Price. I had already traveled to London and to Jamaica and out the country and all of these different places. But in 08, I found myself with no job, no place to live. And I wanted to do something that year to show God that at this point, though nothing looked like what I had prayed for, believed for, I mean, everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, like, yeah, but wasn't you just working for this person, this person, and now you don't even have a place to live? I wanted to do something to show God that um, when you give it back to me, I'll utilize my relationships that I've grown in this business to benefit other people. So I met you because I have this idea, but it's not thought thoroughly through. So I have 1,500 pairs of shoes laying on the floor with no boxes to put them in. <laughs> this guy right here comes. I never met him before. Uh, Tangie actually yeah. invited you to come. Yeah. And, um, what up, Tangie? You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And, Who's um, on? Actually, she's on radio in, exactly, in Miami now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so Kev comes up and he was like, hey, so what's the problem? And I was like, man, I didn't raise all of these shoes and... I didn't even think about where we were going to store them or put them. Kev disappears and comes back 45 minutes later with every box we needed to package up the shoes. And this was my first time meeting him. And our relationship just grown from there. And that's what the shoe drive, Walk a Mile in My Shoes, is about, man. You know, you think you know a person's story, but you have no idea what it took for all of us to get to where we are. And um, I just wanted to utilize those lessons through my shoe drive. And I started it back in 08. As of today, we've raised over 10,000 pairs of shoes. I'm actually getting ready to celebrate the eighth year anniversary this year on December the 12th. Yeah. And um, it's crazy. Yeah. Before we even go any further, how can people get in touch with that particular aspect of what you do? Um, definitely. I tell people all the time, like my, um, I'm on social media all day, every day. Um, but we have a website. It's projectwalkamallinmyshoes.tumblr.com. On there, it has all of the pictures, videos, uh, testimonies from you know children that we've helped, adults that we've helped, and all the information is on there. So that's Project Walk a Mile in My Shoes, exactly you know how it sounds at dot uh, tumbler dot com. Yeah. Okay, and a, a, a thing that I'm hearing a lot from you is flexibility. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about how important flexibility is, you know, specifically when it's when you're trying to get a job in the industry yeah. or. Be successful. I tell I tell my younger people that I'm friends with every day, like, you have to be flexible, man. Like, it's just like me on a plane, getting off of a plane and coming here because of my relationship with you. That's how you build relationships and that's how you keep them. It's like, I tell people all the time, like, what I realize is that I don't have to be doing this. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is a job that I wanted to be in. So at any time that it begins to become too much, I have to remind myself, like, yo, like, you wanted to follow your dreams. You could have went out here and been normal, got a normal nine to five, got off at five, and you don't get bothered to the next morning. So with flexibility, when you want it, though, flexibility is like second nature. I don't even think about it sometimes until somebody brings it to my attention that, do you realize that you just did this, 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 and this, and now you're doing this? Because it's so second nature to me because... I want it so bad, you know what I'm saying? And I knew what it took for me to get here, and I know that I got to continue to be that same person and persevere through because every day is not easy being who I am and what I do now, but it's that flexibility word, and I never even thought about it until you actually use the word. That's what it is, is being able to adjust to whatever situation you're in, understanding that you want the end result that's coming. And you know, one of the... Uh, and, and matter of fact... Talking about uh, flexibility um, or adaptability, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I've seen you do very well, and, and actually, because a, a lot of artists will reach out to me via social media, and you know they want to, they might inbox me or DM me a, a link to some music or, or try to attach something, or you know they try to get in a conversation on Twitter or something like that, and you know that's one thing, but. I've seen you be really successful in reaching out to people's social media on a professional level, mm -hmm. doing it the right way, mm -hmm. and like really making some headway with some major people, man. I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, it's crazy because when Twitter first came out about six years ago, I remember uh, just being so intrigued by it because I'm thinking like, oh, so... You can just put an at symbol in front of this person's name and they will see it. And like, 
I and when I when Twitter first came out, I didn't know how to really use it. And I said, I'm gonna give myself two weeks to just study Twitter, learn how to use it. So I'm tweeting, nobody's not saying nothing bad. I'm just like, okay, because I saw Diddy doing it. And I'm thinking like, okay, so if I put an ad symbol there, I can now talk to Puff. Like that's crazy to me because it's almost like having a person's cell phone number and being able to text them. So before I knew it, like my followers begin to grow as I begin to understand that um, with anything that you do, there's an art and a tech that goes along with it. And I think one of the things that a lot of up and coming artists and just different people, they don't understand the power that they have through social media. I was able to kind of learn that early on that, okay, it's very tactfully how you have to do it. Um, Two successful stories, like two of the biggest stories that people always talk about me with social media was when um, Steve Rifkins, the president of Universal Records, he used to do these marketing meetings in the middle of the night, like around two, three o'clock in the morning, and I would be up. And so he would ask these questions and for his Twitter followers to respond back. And so that was right up my alley. So he would ask the question, I would answer back, and I would just keep going and going and going. Finally, he was like, yo, you know, I, I, I like your answers or whatever. And um, he asked me another question and I answered it. And he said, you know what? I got to meet you. I want to fly you to New York. And everybody was like, oh, he's just talking, whatever, whatever. Well, a month later, he flew me to New York and I'm sitting in his office. And he was like, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. He was like, I don't want you to BS me. He said, the moment that I feel like you're lying, this interview is over and I'm going to send you back to the airport. I was like, okay, cool. I don't have nothing to lose, you know, so roll. So he <laughs> asked me a lot of marketing questions about the artist that was signed at the time, and I just gave my my unorthodox approach, as I do sometimes. I'm, I'm very direct in, um, in, in the things that I say, because I believe in being honest. People can only grow through honesty, you know what I'm saying? And so I answered his questions, and he was so blown away that he went on Twitter and, and tweeted out, I just hired Charles McCree. You know, and everybody's like, I remember when you was talking to him, da, da, da. So, I mean, it was that moment, which was uh, an amazing moment for me through social media. And then the next thing that people talk about is how I was able to make contact with Oprah Winfrey about my shoe drive. And um, I always said that if Oprah ever heard about my shoe drive, she would want to help. Well, by through the power of Twitter, I was able to, to reach one of the most powerful women in the world. And I just threw the question out there. Hey, I have a charity shoe drive. It's called Welcome All In My Shoes. And um, I just was wondering if you wanted to help. And she hit me back and said, I sure do. And um, we're still in the process of getting that you know, worked out. But she definitely knows about the shoe drive. And she has agreed to come on board and help. And all of that was through the power of social media. Man, which is, is I mean, I mean, that's amazing because I don't think people really understand how small the world is because it is like being able to just exactly. text. You know what I mean? Because exactly. in in the old days, like you used to give your demo or used to mail it off to some PO box somewhere, and you'd never hear from, or, or, or you would hope that you would hear something, but you'd never hear anything. Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, being able to pick up your phone and just reach out to anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And to actually have them respond to you, man, that's that's crazy now. And it's like showing up on their, it's like you show up on their cell phone and it's crazy. And that's why when I begin to realize that, it's like even if they don't respond back, you know they saw it. Right. And when I first was coming in, it was none of that. Like artists had to sit outside the record label and you had to mail stuff in and you had to really, you know, now it's just like... You can package yourself up, grow a following, and then now a lot of these record labels and these executives are are coming to these social media people looking for what's the next hot thing, and it's never been like that before. It's, it's, it's an amazing time right now. Compare something for me. So mm-hmm. obviously you you know have been using social media and kind of like the guerrilla marketing mm-hmm. tactics, but how do you compare that then to the traditional marketing? Do you still feel that there's a need for the traditional marketing, and how do they play? How do they coexist? I think that um, you can't ever escape the core of what something is. You know, marketing is very needed, especially in this day and time now where artists are not being properly developed. And I think that the issue is with these record labels is that the marketing department, when I first came into the business working for Kelly Price, it was a, a staff of 20 people. Now it may be a staff of three people in a room the size of a studio apartment at the label. You know what I'm saying? Having to deal with all of these major stars because people have not people have lessened the importance of marketing. Marketing is very important. Social media is just uh, um, the next frontier where you can push it to, but you still need artist development. You still need to brand artists. You still need to properly introduce artists. And that's something that I'm really, really big on is appearance and, and, and showing the artists that you can't just come out looking any kind of way. People are always watching. 
whether you're known or not. If you sit in a room, you have to make a person give you time to, to even want to talk to them. If, if, if an artist comes to me and I don't know them, and I'm in the airport or I'm at an event, it's like and 50 million people may want to have a conversation with me. It's like you have to look like somebody that somebody should give you time to talk for. That's marketing. And I think that's the missing ingredients now because people do feel like I can just add this person, send them my link. And that's why a lot of people are not being very successful with it that way because you can't take away the core of what marketing really is. So with me, I do both. I make sure that any artist or brand that I deal with, we do core marketing. We go in, I rebrand them, I repackage them. Sometimes I have to create a brand that is there, but it's just not being present to that artist yet. And then once I get the marketing aspect of it down, then we go to the social media online campaigns to just finish it off and take it to the next level. So it's 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 very much needed. I wish more artists and executives realized that, the importance of marketing. Um, I have this argument almost every day. Uh, on, 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 <laughs> every day. It's like I'm very passionate when it comes to that. But yeah, it's definitely... a two worlds that needs to meet. Dealing with branding and uh, marketing campaign for an artist, how do you feel about that artist having free reign on social media during that marketing campaign? I think that <clears throat> social media, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want to be very, very uh, careful how I answer this question, but I, I think that um, artists are human beings and never before... It's, it's, it's a gift and a curse because if you say something bad about an artist now, right, an artist can take today Instagram and say, not true. But the flip side of that is artists don't know how to leave it at not true. You know what I'm saying? So they get on there and they have these tantrums and they go in and, and, and not realizing that people just want to get their followers up. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you are now making this person... What, 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 what I call the new celebrity is currently relevant. Currently relevant is the new celebrity. You have some iconic artists that are no longer currently relevant, you know, and currently relevant is the new celebrity. And if I say something to an artist with 10, 15, 20 million followers, if you even say anything back to me, I'm going to grow in popularity and now I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going. So it's difficult because artists are so... Um, overly passionate sometimes that they abuse the power of social media because they get on there and they just don't know how to get off when when something is said to them or whatever. So I definitely think that that's an unfortunate state of it, but it's the gift and the curse, you know? Yeah, but see, like the, but there's no rhyme or reason to like this new celebrity. And it mm -hmm. is, I see you talking about somebody being, being like currently relevant, mm -hmm. but like, um, I mean, Taking an, an Instagram model or somebody doing a, a, a cover on, on Instagram where mm -hmm. you know they got 15 seconds to do their thing. Or maybe it's just something that happened in the news and, and happenstance. Like uh, I remember at one point everybody, like all the all the ladies were were swooning over the picture of this guy that was going to jail. Yeah, and um, he was ooh, and he became right. prison bay. Right. No one yeah. knew his like. He, right. I, I don't know if people were like knew his real name or whatever, or what but he was done. popular as right. shit right. for the moment. Hey. And and people think nowadays that that oh shit, I got a career now, and so you, you know what I'm know saying? Why, though, because you, at the end of the day, it goes back to what you said about marketing. At the end of the day, a company's brand is only to get their product in front of the most viewed people possible. So if you take a person, like I look at these people every day, like these they, they call Vine famous people, and I and I salute them because it's like you are more relevant than some artists that I know. Because your followers come to your page every day to see what you're gonna do. If you had a product, would you wanna give it to a person that may be famous but nobody's not checking for? Or would you wanna put it in front of an audience of your target market through a person that is is getting Thousands and thousands and thousands of likes and comments, more so than other people that are famous. You understand what I'm telling you? So they have, a, a, it's, it's an uneven playing ground. Social media has made it where anybody who wants to be anything can be that, depending on how much you want it. The problem now is artists from back in the day 
are not as passionate as they was when they came into the game. So they feel like they don't need to use this new business model. And it's hurting them when it comes to engaging with their fans or album sales because they feel like I've never had to do this before. I don't want to do this now. But then you get these newer artists that are these newer people that understand I've never had this platform before. Let me use this to my ability. Well, who's going to win? The person who thinks that they're so famous that they don't need to do the work or the person who was like, yo... I'm about to get on here and I'm about to create a brand for myself and I'm going to get my followers up. That person is going to win all the time. So they do become um, more of the ideal person that you would want to be marketing your product. Because every new song that I've heard on the radio, that I hear, I don't hear it on the radio. I hear it on Vine first. These kids on Vine, they play the nay-nay, I heard the whip, all those new dances. Mm-hmm. It was all on Vine months and months and months ago before anybody knew what it was. It became famous off of that. And these kids get it. And it's amazing what these people are doing with six... Forget 15 seconds. It's amazing what these people are doing. Um, King Batch is one of the key people. He's on television. He's on commercials. Yeah. He started on with a six-second app. You know what I'm saying? He's in movies. It's people that have worked their whole entire life that have not done half the thing that he's done off of a six-second app, which is amazing to me. And now you're seeing the monetization of that. Exactly. I already know how you're going to answer this probably, but I'm going to ask anyway. Mm -hmm. The Kevin Hart situation where he didn't want to do the movie promo without getting more money because of his... His follower, his followership. Kevin Hart. So how, how do you feel about that? Do you want very to speak about smart. that at all? Very, very smart. Yeah, I, I'll talk on it. Um, I think Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart is extremely smart. He understands his brand, and he knows that marketing is a paid job. So you want me, you don't, you don't have access to my followers. This is something that I grew on my own. Kevin Hart, I want to say, has about, what, 20 million followers on Instagram? Why should I give you my 20 million followers if you're not going to give me a check? I'm going to do what I need to do for the movie, but if you want me to go above and beyond me just saying that I'm in the movie, that needs to come with a check because that is a, a, a monetizing avenue that people are banking off of every single day and making a lot of money off of. Why should I give you that? So yeah, shout out to Kevin Hart, man. And, and, and I got a lot of respect for Kevin Hart. He's the hardest working person in the music business, period. I mean, not music, but entertainment business. Right. He's the hardest working person in the entertainment business. I, I have so much respect for him because Kevin Hart just sold out Madison Square Garden twice in one week and then the Barclays Center around the corner, all in the same week because he is so passionate, man. And and um, I love the way he utilizes his social media. I think his show is sold out, period. Mm-hmm. Actually, Across not just- Across the board. Yeah, yeah everywhere I, he's I going. Love, I love his hustle, and I love the fact that Kevin Hart gets it. Because the problem with a lot of people these days, they don't get it. You know what I'm saying? You can, it, you can tell them the formula. You can show them the formula. But if you don't get it, it's nothing that people can do with that. So yeah, shout out to Kevin Hart for that, man. And let's listen to some more music. So right now we're going to listen to Duran again. This song is called Superstar. Mm-hmm. It's a Luther Vandross cover um, off of a new project that we're dropping called The Unofficial Diary of Duran Jones, dropping uh, this summer. I'm super excited about that too, man. As soon as we come back, we'll talk more about that. Got you. I want to tell you, baby, yeah, the changes I've been going through. Missing you, missing you, oh, 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 till you come back to me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. No, 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 no. Yeah. Woo.
Gentlemen, that was Superstar by Deron Jones, originally sung by Luther Vandross. Charles, I wanted to, like, we were talking a lot about social media right. and the things that, um, that that people are doing on there to try to market their themselves. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you just came back from the BET Awards. I sure did, did, man. You yeah. around uh, all of that. So did you see a lot of artists I marketing did. themselves and um, taking selfies and kind of doing the social media thing? We're, wearing female clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk uh, about that, man. Okay. Um, well, first of all, going to the BET Awards, like I said, I mean, um, I'm a dreamer first. I always tell people I'm like a, a person that's, that snuck backstage and just I just haven't been caught yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, when this is your dream and you grow up and you watch shows like BET, like networks like BET, MTV, when you get a chance to actually experience that, it's definitely um, a life-changing experience. It was my first time ever attending the BT Awards. It was my first time, even all that I've done is my first time ever being in LA. So it was kind of like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. And then when we walked into the room, I'm sitting three rows behind Rihanna, you know, and so, uh, you know, Nicki Minaj, Meek Mills was there. So it was, it was an incredible experience. Um, the, the most memorable moment of the night, though, was Smokey Robinson's speech for me. Um, I met him backstage, and when I saw him receive his award and when he gave the speech, the thing that he said in the speech, I'll carry that with me for the rest of my life. Um, just basically talking about how, you know, we are so privileged to do what we do. You know what I'm saying? And um, we don't need to get drunk on ourselves because it's like... Some people don't know what it's like to have one person love them. And these celebrities have a million people that love them all around the world. Like, how do you get drunk on yourself over that? And Smokey Robinson really let that room really have it that night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, he did. And, and the way that he did it. And I just, I was just so, uh, I felt so blessed to just be in the room and just get that energy um, with it, man. It was an incredible show. I'm glad that I was able to be a part of that show. And then with the Bad Boy tribute, I mean, it was just ridiculous too. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Puff and the whole Bad Boy family. I mean, that was the era of music that made me want to do this. So even working with Deron now and managing him, it's just an incredible for me because I remember begging my mother to buy me 112 CD. I had Puff's poster hanging over my bed in high school. You know what I'm saying? So it was like now to be in that vicinity of those people and, and, and to deal with them the way that I'm able to do so now, man, it's nothing short of a dream come true. Talk a little about that relationship. So what is the, is, is there, I know some managers like to be completely hands-off, it's all business, mm -hmm. and then some other managers are more hands-on where they're into the day-to-day -day things as well as creativity. Mm -hmm. What role do you play on the team? I'm involved in every aspect of Duran's life, <laughs> uh, Business, personal, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because I feel like to be an effective manager, you have to be. It's no way because a lot of times what they do in their personal life affects business. So if you're not involved in the personal day-to-day, -day, it's no way for you to see blunders come before they actually happen. I, I like to try to catch things before they happen. And I feel like you have to have a good relationship with your artist in order to be an effective manager because it's, I look at management like a parent would look at raising a child. Anything that you do for your child, I have to do for my artist. I have to make sure that they're up. I have to make sure that their hair is cut. I have to make sure that they're dressed properly. I have to make sure that you're eating right. I have to make sure that your attitude is right. You know, um, and artists like to do what artists like to do. I'm blessed because Duran is a super passionate person. You know what I'm saying? And he wants to win. And I think if you've ever gone to a recent 112 show, um, you can see that he wants it. You know what I'm saying? So our energies mesh so well that way. But then when I need to pick up anything, I'm there to do that as well. Like we call our dynamic Batman and Robin. You know what I'm saying? I have no problem being Robin in this situation. And I think that a lot of times you get management that wants to actually be the artist. They want to be the star. They want to, you know, you should never walk in a room and not be able to tell who's the artist and who's the manager. Um, I'm from the old school, though. I, you know, I came up under the Russell Simmonses and the Kevin Lowses. So that's all I know. I don't know this new way that management are being handled now where, you know, you have your shades on and they have their shades on. Like, I'm just not from that school. So <laughs> I'm about service. And um, anything from... You know, if he needs me to tie his shoe to, to, to steam in his suit before he goes to the BT Awards, I'm hands-on in that aspect of it. So another theme I hear from you a lot is humility. Talk mm -hmm. about humility a lot. You just, you just mentioned about tying the shoes, but you've been saying that a lot of things that, that, that you know, channel humility. Talk a little about humility. Yeah, I, I just think that it's important. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like... Oh. Who do you think you are? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's always my mentality. And I'm real big on artists that I work with on any level. I, um, I feel like if you don't want to be seen, you need to stay at home. 
I'm, I'm, I don't play that arrogant stuff. I don't, I don't care. And I've worked with artists on every level, all the way from independent artists, all the way to me handling Ludacris' online brand. And I, and I treat every artist the same because I always look at it as like, I remember being that person on the other side of the velvet rope. And I know how it feels when you see your favorite person. Put it like this. I know how it feels to look up to a person and then to meet them and have your heart broken because they're nothing like what you thought they were. That's the, That's been one of the saddest realities that I've had to deal with working in this business is you look up to these people, but then you get a chance to meet them. <laughs> and that's, it's just, sometimes it's just a sad day for you. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want any artist that I deal with or anybody that I deal with to have that type of energy. You understand what I'm telling you? It's like, um, I'm very... Uh, I'm very, I'm very direct. I'm very. Um, I've been called a lot of things, but the one thing that I've, I've always been called, like you said, is just humble because I understand my position. I understand that I don't have to be doing this. Somebody else could be managing Duran. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else could be working with the Ludacris. Somebody else could have been sitting in that seat at the BT Awards. But the difference between me and a lot of other people, this wasn't given to me. I wanted to do this since I was 11 years old. Uh, sitting on my steps in Philly. So it's kind of like, okay, my approach is always different because I'm like, God, I don't know how I got here. So I could lose this at any at any day. If I lose it, I don't want it to be because I was so arrogant that I gave it away. But I think that success just amplifies who you already are. If you was an arrogant person before success, you're just going to be, can we curse on here? Yeah. You're just going to be an arrogant asshole once you get it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's just not who I am anyway. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. But humility is definitely important, I mean, especially when you're in the role of a, of a manager, because a lot of times you're going to have to do things like you would do if you had a, a, a child. You right. have to tie your child's shoe. Put, I remember uh, when I was working for Kelly Price, I had to lotion her feet before she went on stage. And I was more than happy to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And having worked with another, another member of 112Q, mm-hmm. um, I know that when we were working on his solo project, he... Um, he had the dilemma of trying to figure out whether or not he wanted to appease the new ears mm-hmm. with some of the modern music or if he wanted to keep it R&B to, to give the people who really are just dying for that original R&B sound, he wanted to you know, answer their, their prayers. So how, how is this process with the new project that you're working on with Deron? Um, with the project that we're working on, <clears throat> the unofficial diary of Deron Jones, man, we're just staying true to what we know. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, you're not going to be for everybody. And I think that's what artists make their biggest mistake. Like you can't, you can only be for who you're for. And I think that, I think that people are missing R&B music. I think that it's just not there. And when I talk to a lot of females, what they say is like, guys don't sing to us no more. They sing about us. It's like, it's almost to the point where if we're not bitches and hoes and not being loyal, we are just being one night stands. They're like, do y'all not want to date us anymore? Like, do y'all not, you know what I'm saying? Because, but, and this is no no disrespect to the R&B music that is out, but Duran is from an era of music where they sung about forgiveness and about not being ready to settle down, but I want to, but I'm not ready. I love you. Who's going to love you like I love you? You know, these are all songs that Duran wrote. And it, it now, and I asked him all the time. I was like, "Yo, you was 17, 18. What you know about, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying, loving somebody more, you know?" But it's just the space. So I want to stay true to the essence of who he is. Everybody has to be true to who they are, and whoever it's for is going to be for that person. My goal is to put out the best body of work possible, and hopefully, it's received as well as we, you know, plan for it to be. Man, that's awesome. I I love the fact that you talk a lot about um about humility. Like I I saw this video recently and um matter of fact it was it was Brandy. It was Brandy on uh, she on went the on, on the subway and she started singing and just knew that and, and this is in New York now. She, now right. she just knew that someone was going to applaud or acknowledge her or give her some praise or maybe even make her feel that she has to hide again and go back into celebrity mode. Nothing. Right. She got nothing. In fact, she asked one of the guys, like, what did you think about that? And he started talking to her like she was an up-and-coming artist. Yeah, you got a future. But, you know, what you probably need to do is... <laughs> right, right. He gave her one of those speeches, right. and she was kind of taken back. Like, what? What? Like, it didn't get it. But that's... It, it's funny 
because not only is humility important, especially in, as as an artist or as a person in in this business, but um, I you you talked about how the internet and social media creates a different personality or a different reality than what it actually is, and it's fun to see those those worlds collide sometimes. And we so. see that all the time. Um, <clears throat> I try to be as transparent as humanly possible on my social media. I mean, if anybody follows me, you almost can't even tell what it is that I do for a living because you, you're you liable to see an inspirational quote. You're liable to see um, like pictures of islands or, or, or things that I'm aspiring to, to one day obtain because I feel like social media will... It's the gift and the curse again. It, it allows you to be whoever you want to be. And I tell people all the time that if you saw what was going on on the other side of that selfie, you would not want that person's life. You know what I'm saying? Um, people can put filters on it to dress up any type of situation that they want, but real life still exists. And to speak on the video of Brandy, you know, when I saw it, I remember I was watching it and I was thinking to myself, oh yeah, she's about to go on this train. They about to go crazy. But I think that um, I don't know what her goal was for actually doing it, so I don't want to really speak on it too much. But I don't know what her goal. I, I'm just going to say I don't know what she. I don't know what she wanted to get out of that because I felt like if she really went to to have people be like, "Oh my God, it's Brandy," she wouldn't have one all covered up. She wasn't even really singing for real. You know what I'm saying? She did kind of half. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I was kind of like, "What type of?" And then you in New York or whatever. So like they see talented people all the time on the train, dancing and flipping from the thing. That's you, what you told her. You know what I'm saying? So so. <laughs> You getting on here just playing with a little song, I don't really think, I don't know what she wanted the end result to be. I was shocked that she actually even put the video out, you know, because the response was so dry. And, um, you know, it was just, I was just like, wow. Because I've seen her sing that same song in her bathroom and put it out and murdered it. And it was a viral video online. Or whatever. Right. So I just, you know, I think that a lot of times, though, uh, social media for artists and for celebrities, you know... It, it it you know it it can really hurt them sometimes. That's why they hire a marketing specialist. Exactly, and please say that again. And that's why they do what? <laughs> that's why they hire Thank a marketing you. specialist. Thank you so much, man. Because <laughs> I swear, and, and everybody is not one. So everybody that's listening, just because you know how to send a tweet, does not make you a social media director. I just wanted to put that out there too, because I see that a lot too, man. It's like you know people take. What we do on this side, like all we do is sit around and send out a tweet, but it's definitely a method to the madness and um, it's moves are calculated and I don't feel like we get enough respect on this end because people, we make it seem so effortless that people take it for granted. So thank you, you know, definitely for acknowledging that, that people do need marketing specialists around them. And you know, you kind of tapped into something else I wanted to ask you too, like, well, with uh, especially with all of uh, the people that you've worked with and independent artists that might reach out to you via mm -hmm. social media, what kinds of things do you see people doing wrong? Man, um, like no one told them that they yeah. shouldn't be <laughs> blah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, well, from a marketing standpoint, I think that uh, artists get on social media looking crazy. I think that uh, when because when people don't know you, they're going to judge you based off of what they see. I'm not saying that every picture needs to be a glamour shot, but um, you want somebody to take you seriously, so you have to look like somebody that should be taken seriously. I'm very, very big on appearance um, because at the end of the day, people can say whatever they want, but people judge you based on, especially in this entertainment business, it's people's job to be entertained. So you can't go out here and think that you're an artist or you want to be an artist or you are an artist, but you can get on here and you can take away people's fantasy because people want to live vicariously through you guys. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that uh, the, the hate comments are crazy to me, but everybody has a right to their opinion. But I think that... Um, you know, just all of the, the the bullying that goes on is a little crazy to me, but you're going to get that or whatever. Uh, I think artists spamming their music, I, I tell artists all the time, it's like, be be persistent. Don't, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm persistent. If I was an artist, 
y'all better be lucky I'm not an artist and I want to be on the business side of it because I would have been had to do whatever because it's a you have to be persistent but it is a it is an art and is and there's a tech to everything that you do and I feel like if you believe that your music is as good as you believe that it is create a buzz for yourself and people will begin to talk about you online. That's the great thing about social media. Facebook has this thing called the share button. When people like what they see, they will hit that share button, and that's how you become a viral sensation. So I think that people should spend more time um, understanding that you can't push your original music on people. I think that's the other thing, too. If Because if I don't know you, and you put out an original song, and I don't like the original song. Now, I don't like you, and I don't want to hear nothing else from you. I'm not giving you no why. I don't know. I'm not giving you another chance. So I always tell people, you know, like, especially what we're doing with, like, the Ron's project, you put out the covers, right? And you remind people of, of a time of music that they loved or a song that they loved. You show them what you're able to do on it. And what that's going to do is make them come looking for original music on you at this point. So I feel like a lot of times just how, and, and I'm speaking about artists that are already established. They sometimes need to go back and take that approach as well because social media allows it where you're, you, you're in competition with so many people. Mm. You know what I'm telling you? Like, it's, it's not enough anymore that you are this celebrity that have sold records. You're in competition with people that can sit in a room with equipment and do songs and pushing out all day. You're not even in that space anymore to do that. So you're in competition now with people that you would have never been able to sit next to you 10 years ago. And I feel like that's one of the key things that, just some of the things that I think, I could be here all day talking about that. I think what's important about what you just said, though, was Duran, for instance, is in 112, mm -hmm. six and a half million albums sold, Grammy, Grammy award-winning group. However, plaques, right. most people will, will think of Slim when mm -hmm. they think of 112 exactly. because he was the, the major voice, the, the unique voice. However, they don't know things like the fact that Duran plays instruments, produced a lot of the tracks, and also wrote a lot of the songs. Right. So it is necessary to even someone like him on his level to to make sure everyone is reintroduced to him as a solo exactly. artist. And the one thing that I love about Duran is that he gets it. He gets it. He the the goal was we can't we're not hiding the fact that he's Duran from 112. We're proud of that. But what we're not going to do is 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 stronghold that. Like I'm Deron from 112. No, I'm Deron Jones. Nice to meet you. Now and let me show you something. <laughs> let me show you what I can do because right. you've never probably knew that that was me hitting that high note back back in the day, or you never knew that my voice can do this. So it's nice to meet you. And if you follow him on social media, one of the key things, even if you go to his page right now in real time, the fans that follow him say, "I love the way that you engage with us. I love the fact that you sing to us every Friday and that you take requests." from us via social media, and then you actually sing the songs. We're dropping the project, and we're looking to drop it this summer, so we're going to drop it on one of his fans' birthday. You know what I'm saying? Because it's all about that level of engagement, and Deron gets that, and he's never, I never have to say, listen, bro, we got, no. He's like, listen, I'm a brand new artist when it comes to me. I am one-fourth of one of the most iconic R&B groups ever, but as Deron Jones, I'm a brand new artist. So I need to do everything that a brand new artist needs to do, and he's very um, wise when it comes to that. So he and I don't don't have an argument when it comes to that. Man, that's amazing. That that sense of humility right there, mm -hmm. I, that 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 skews a lot of people's business decisions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean when they're when they're not as hot as they think they are, and right. then they'll come into a boardroom and demand X, Y, exactly. or Z. Mm -hmm. And they haven't done A, B, or C. Exactly. So they get treated like brandy on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, it. It happens, man. Like I, I think it's it's easy for people to look at the because everyone's trying to figure out the industry. They look mm. at the out. They're looking from the outside in and trying to draw the line between what's real and what's make believe. And it's such a blurred line. And I mm. tell people this all the time, man. I mean, I get it. I get the confusion because what's real and what's fake is such a blurred line because reality is it's not what's being presented. You understand what I'm telling you? Because every artist on every level is going through some type of something. You know what I'm saying? We all have a something that we're dealing with when we go back home and when we get in our cars by ourselves. And I just think that, you know, 
it's so unfortunate because people that are looking up to anybody that's on social media that's portraying a certain type of energy or a certain type of image, should I say, mm-hmm. it's the lines are so blurred. You know what I'm saying? And social media, again, the gift and the curse because it, it's, it's allowed that line to now be meshed together mm-hmm. where you don't even know what's real or what's fake anymore. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Man, man. Yo, Charles, thank you again for coming, man. Anything you want to uh, promote before the way? We can't let him get out here without talking about the shoe drive that's coming no, up. No, no. Oh, yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, my charity shoe drive is the eighth year anniversary. I'm super excited about it. Um, Atlanta always shows me so much love. 85% of the shoes come from my social media followers, so shout out to everybody online that supports and mails their shoes in from all over the world. Last year, we were blessed to be able to send shoes over to um, West Africa, to Sierra Leone. I'm super excited about that. And I could have never been able to do that without the support that people show. So please continue to support that. Um, this year, December the 12th at House of a Dream, we're going to do it all over again. Um, like I said, man, uh, I'm not so stuck on the number, but we have raised over 10,000 pairs of shoes. I just want to continue raising shoes and continue to help people. Make sure that you go to projectwalkamalamashoes.tumblr.com. Everything, every way to get in contact with me is on there. All the information about my shoe drive is on there. And again, man, um, I just can't thank you guys enough for, for supporting it, too. Of course, and we'll feature all those links on the, the website, or you want to check us out on Facebook, you'll find that information. I definitely there appreciate as well. that, man. Of course, of course. Thanks again. All right, y'all. That was Charles McCree right here on the 9010 Rule. To submit topic suggestions, email us at info at the 9010rule.com.